0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, let's turn to 1 Peter this morning. I am humbled and full of joy to be here with you uh, this morning. I love this church and known you guys for several years uh, through those student dean weekends. And I also want to thank Pastor Jonathan for uh, not mentioning uh, that, yes, we played Little League together, but the Revis Brothers dominated Little League. <laughs> and no one knows that better than my dad, who reminded me every night at dinner that I could be as good as Jonathan Revis someday at baseball, and he was lying. All right, First Peter one one through three, uh, we are looking at, at the. I won't say the end. I will say sort of a culmination because it ends on a charge of where we've been this weekend. Just throwing a couple words at you. We we always want to encourage people to go deeper than they are in their faith in Christ because He is the sure and steady anchor. And so our faith is not just founded in anything. It's not just faith in an old car to get you up a bridge. It's faith in an immovable, unchanging, victorious person of Jesus Christ. And so their faith is founded in something much bigger than ourselves. And with our sin nature riddled finite minds, we're having to understand through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can indeed grow deeper in Christ through obedience and faithfulness because of salvation, because of the sanctification of the Holy Spirit. And so we've used to teach that, we've used this weekend, um, uh, under Brandon's advisement and sort of communication with him over the weeks leading up to this weekend, uh, the word image. Uh, the word image started off this weekend with an image of God, that we were not just made accidentally or not just made haphazardly, that we are made, the only creation in fact, made in the image of God for the glory of God in this way. We don't just shine the glory of God merely based on our creation, but through our praise and our adoration and our obedience. And so there's this image that you get to tell people because you're a Christian that you are no accident because there are people out there with those questions. Why am I here? For what purpose do I exist? Christians should have the answers to those questions by pointing not just at the Bible, but at their own lives. And so an image of God, recognizing that first and foremost, because if you don't know God made you in His image, there's going to be a lot you don't know moves into the image revealed. This encounter happens when we have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth of why we exist. Then that image is either revealed and we respond in one of two ways, with anger and dismay, resenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we know the majority will do, as the Bible tells us, or... We are awakened in our very soul and our eyes are open for the first time ever. And we see there is much more to this life than what we thought before. So much so, he doesn't say you just change. He says in Ephesians 4 and 2 Corinthians 5 that you are what? A new creation. The old has not just disappeared for a short time. The old has passed away and is actively passing away. And you are a new creation in Christ Jesus for an actual purpose. And you'll see it continues to build. Image revealed leads into the image renewed. And that's really what we're doing in a large part here in Bible study and in biblical discipleship and in fellowship. I love when church turns into something like a necessity rather than an obligation, don't you? And the more he increases in us and we decrease, it becomes less about ourselves and more about the mission. I promise you this, outside the walls, you'll long more for the inside of these walls. You'll long more for the brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus the more you're on fire for Christ out there. Because you'll have been reminded by the truth of the word that he has gifted us a fellowship. It is not something that we walk into obligatorily. It is something that we understand as a gift. And through that, and the power of the Holy Spirit living within us as the now new temples of that Holy Spirit, with opened eyes, we are being renewed. And that leads us to today. That we're not just an image renewed for any reason. But we are an image renewed in order to be an image shared. That you were not just saved and called from your sin. But you were saved from your sin into the mission of Christ. You were not, In other words, you were not just saved from something, guys. You were called to something when you met Jesus Christ. And I'm a firm believer in this, and I believe the Bible teaches this explicitly, that once we have had our eyes opened by Jesus, we cannot close those eyes. That, in other words, once you have been saved, and you have been bought by the blood of Christ, and you know it, you can't be unsaved. Amen? Amen. That He has us, not just now, not just temporarily, but forever. He's an eternal God with an eternal kingdom and an eternal reign. We are people with eternal souls will spend that eternity in one of two destinations. And so there is much at stake in the avenue and in the methodology in the commission of what God has chosen to bring the kingdom to its knees for Christ Jesus. That you are not just saved to be an apathetic Christian sitting here pretending to fall in love with the Jesus that you don't really know. That you have been saved for good reason and good purpose. And I hope that I get to play somewhat of a small part. As you have been blessed here with a teaching staff that takes this mission seriously. But more so, you've been blessed by God through salvation to where you are the ambassadors for Christ Jesus. Peter uses another word, which will bring us to our point of image shared tonight, or today. Um, Used to talking at night over the last weekend. (laughs) Image shared. Exiles. We've been called exiles. The goal this morning is to make exiles a great word. Our passage from camp, which isn't the passage we'll be spending a little bit of context in this morning, uh, is 2 Corinthians 5, I'm sorry, yeah, five, seventeen through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old, the image of God, but a fallen creature, right, has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And this is the image revealed. All this is from God, not from our works, lest no man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and then what? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So right there we've been set apart and set aside and then set forth to do something. As an ambassador of Christ Jesus, yes. But Peter uses an interesting term. So the application of the message today, what I want you to walk away with, is found in Peter's address to the New Testament church. How he addresses the church is what I want you to walk away with and be encouraged and motivated today to be part of that mission. So it's three options in 1 Peter 1, 1 through 3, and I'm going to read it, and then I'll give some context, and we'll dive into those options of how we can live this life and what label and identity and image we can take from this word. In chapter 1, starting in verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, For obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. It says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. It's a beautiful intro. And then verse 3 encapsulates the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're into memorizing scriptures like we do songs on the radio. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Aren't you glad that that living hope is not something that's already happened but continues still today? Aren't you glad that that hope still brings people to the kingdom of God onto their knees and worship and that we have now hope because we have a living hope. We do not serve a dead God. We serve a live God with a living hope. Man, that makes me want to shout. The letter of Peter was written decades into that mission in the wider Roman world guys you have peter which is one of the inner circle of jesus's uh, sort of 12 disciples he was training up to bring the new testament church into action and he became one of the most influential leaders and apostles in that 30 to 60 a.d period in the new testament church in the first century as you remember in acts 2 he gives this sermon of which we only get a snippet by the way there's no way he did a sermon that impactful and it was only that long right every baptist preacher is like amen It needs to be like 50 minutes so he says, he gives that sermon, and then just thousands come to faith in Jesus Christ from that sermon. Then they just get baptized. This is under persecution of Roman rule. This is in the middle of Jerusalem. Only like a hundred prophecies are being fulfilled in that moment from, from every single major and minor prophet book. It's This magnificent build in the kingdom. And then Peter writes this, not to faithful Jews. The audience of 1st and 2nd Peter are non-Jewish new Christians. That's very important. Because non-Jewish, new Christians who are living in Greece and Rome are being oppressed, persecuted, and ostracized for this newfound faith in Christ Jesus that they just can't let go of, that they just can't ignore. And I want to talk a little bit about the context, how it affects us. Now, the context here of suffering and persecution, I will not dare say that as a Christian in today's culture, there's two types of culture. The Bible Belt culture and the world as we know it within our country. Right? There's a little two different elements there. But right off the bat, to really place our faith in Christ Jesus, I would argue, and I can argue a little bit because I don't work here and I get to leave. Um, But I will argue a little bit that if you are actually following faith in Christ, it doesn't just separate you from non-Christians in the world. It might separate you from professed Christians in the Bible belt. I don't think we think about that. I think we just look at profession, we stop looking at their life, and we stop looking at discipleship for the day-to-day, which is where the saints will be greatly judged and evaluated, and we think, oh, that's a number. We've got a number on the board. He's not interested in a number on the board. He's interested in souls eager to grow the kingdom of God. So your life is evidence by which you profess faith. That's what matters. That's what's being cultivated and shaped in discipleship. Within that Bible Belt culture, we are in great danger of thinking we are more oppressed and persecuted than we are. Now, I'm not arguing that we aren't dismayed or ostracized or many of us in here might have lost friends or family because you followed Christ Jesus. I want to be sensitive to that. Praise God you're following Christ Jesus, and we will pray for your family members and your friends who don't know Christ at the end of the service. But there is this kind of contextual oppression, persecution, and violent aggression had all over the world right now, globally, through our brothers and sisters in Christ in other countries. Do you want to know where the church of Jesus Christ, the true church of Jesus Christ is growing in the world more than ever? More than any other country in the world. Afghanistan and Iran. The church of Jesus Christ is growing dramatically. Why? That oppression is making real and true disciples. The power is not in the oppression. The power is when they are professing it, something is at stake and it takes true sacrifice to actually live it. So in a way, We need to come on the other end of this here and say it's easy to pretend to be a Christian where we live. But you are not seeking the approval of those people who are falling for the gimmick. You are seeking the approval of the God who made you. And he is going to be the same one who sees you. And we are who we are in private. And so we have this obligation if we love Christ, not just dragging our feet, but out of a place of love to forget who we once were and to move forward as a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so the only hope for the church's state and growth and mission is the same hope that Peter is writing with to the people who are being persecuted in Greece and Rome who are non-Jewish Christians. It's the same hope that we have in Christ Jesus. It's the same hope that swept the land there, is sweeping the land here. And that's that Jesus sees our heart and he has set us forth for mission. How are we reacting to that? will show evidence of who we truly belong to and what we truly worship. There's three places he gives us right here in First Peter 1, 1 through 3. Uh, it, by calling us who we are, we look at the other two. And so I want to give you three names of which we can live, three options by which we could live on this earth until we pass away or until Christ comes and gets his people. Uh, so the first one is that we can choose, rather than to be an exile, we can choose to be an immigrant. We can choose to be an immigrant. An immigrant is someone who seeks to make this new country their permanent home. They are not from here. They want this new country to be like their new home. And that is what a lot of Christians are possibly doing with the world around them right now. They might know up here that they are supposed to be citizens of heaven, but they treat this world as if this is where they really want to live. So, so they leverage most of their resources to make a comfortable life here. They obsess about their reputation They stress about what they're going to have and what they're not going to have here. What their kids are going to have and what their kids are not going to have here. Am I ever going to get married? Is my ship ever going to come in? Why is life here so hard? There's so much to life that I may never experience. And they become so infatuated with the world around them, they have forgotten the point of why they are here, which is to reach the world around them for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he's calling us to be exiles, not immigrants. Immigrants. Here's another side to his story. He's not just saying no to immigration in that sense. He's saying no to tourism. Okay. We're not called to be tourists either. I think this is going to hit home more in our culture than the immigrant thing. I think, I think one thing we do is we watch a lot of news. We watch a lot of news and we get really afraid. And we get really scared the world is doing exactly what the Bible said the world is going and will forever do until Jesus comes back which is worship everything but the one true king. And in response, we get very involved with the world's affairs, almost too much so to the point where we are deemed immigrant. Here's what tourist is on the other side, and I believe it's an overreaction that also refutes the point of us being an image shared for the mission of Christ. A tourist is the opposite of an immigrant. They don't want to live in this new country. They're just here. They're just visiting. They're just passing through. They don't form any real connections to the place, but they stay huddled and isolated in their groups. If there's political or social problems going on in that society, it doesn't concern them. They have no connection to the place. This is the attitude some Christians have towards our world in the name of self-preservation, but not in the name of the pursuit of holiness. They stay separated. They never get involved. They feel no connection to the community around them or its problems. So rather than being an immigrant and rather than being a tourist, Peter looks at these non-Jewish Christians in Greece and Rome and he says, you elect exiles. The third option that Peter uses is exile, a person or someone whose home is somewhere else. But for an undefined amount of time, they have to make their home in a new place. So they invest in this new community. They form relationships. They learn the culture. They don't want to get too attached. But all the while, they are looking for the day when they can go back to their true home, but it doesn't refute or ignore the job that they are to do while they are here. In other words, did you know that if you are saved by Christ, that you have never truly been home? You might be going home in a way after service, but you have never truly been home. That you are living for home. This is why Paul calls this life a race, not a resting place, not a waiting room. But a race, and the finish line is home forever in Christ. And so we have as an exile on our minds, on our hearts, that this is a temporary stop en route to your real home. That these ambassadors of Christ, these exiles, they're not just saved and to stay stagnant, but they're they're being saved as exiles to be placed on mission, representing the kingdom, the true kingdom of which they belong. That we are representatives of the Christ who saved us. Did we think when we got saved that that salvation was just for us to enjoy? How egotistical, how selfish and self-righteous to think that the, the word of God, the mission of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ has reached our ears. And then we don't take that and share it with other people, knowing it's a remedy to the poison. Knowing that that very well is the reason why you have been given ears to hear and eyes to see is to take it as an image of God, as someone who's being renewed by Christ, and share it with everyone you meet? Are we really valuing our reputation over the eternality and the destination of a soul? That's that flesh, man. That's that self-centeredness, which means we've got to go back a step. In order to be exiles, we must ourselves be truly converted. I think, there's a, I think there's something to be said for the gospel of Jesus Christ being displayed right after that introduction in verse 3. Where he says, before I put you on this mission in chapter 2 of First Peter, let's just go over chapter 1 real quick. This is how you're being purified, and this is how you were saved, and it was of no works of your own, but the grace and the faith of Christ alone that saves the lives of people. So knowing that we've been saved by Christ, and that this world is not our true home, we are to be seen and known for differences, for different values. But if we are trying to be a part of the mission, listen very carefully, if we're trying to be a part of the mission, but we have truly not been converted and saved and rescued ourselves, that will only end in the appearance of the mission, which will cultivate self-righteousness in our hearts. The appearance of holy without being made or broken is self-righteousness. It was the main target Christ and his mission on earth and, and look I'm a big raise your kids in the way they should go but I have seen this displayed in the life of my children I have four babies they're not really babies anymore but I have four kids nine year old, six year old, four year old and a one year old, the first three girls I was in the mode for girl dad Thought that was what was going to go, I had the shirts given to me on Father's Day, you know, girl dad shirts I didn't know what that meant uh, it seemed like a conundrum but, um, but I wore them, you know, I wore them and then a uh, big boy, comes out of nowhere, named him Deacon. So if we have another son, he'll be elder. Uh, <laughs> but it's my favorite Baptist joke. And I forgot to say it in the first one, and they would have enjoyed it. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but Deacon's a year and a half, looks like Thor, nothing like me, just roars. Just a weird, different world, but he's, uh, he's an animal, but he's, he's my buddy. So nine-year-old Ellie Jo, we, and the really cool thing about what just happened is that I get to baptize Ellie at the end of this month. And so I'm just, you held it together way better than I would be able to. It's going to be like I just watched the end of Steel Magnolias uh, up there. Uh, it's going to be terrible. And so, um, so anyway, I'm, I'm really excited to do that. But Ellie Jo had an interesting childhood of self-righteousness because she was getting all the information, but that change hadn't occurred in her heart yet. So, so, so she was enveloping it and developing it intellectually, which is great. I'm not saying stop, do that. But it's also why you said at the end, Jonathan, that the fruit has been evident in the life of these children. And that's, that's ideal. Is that we're going to again remind everybody in here about the roots so we can go back to what we're supposed to be doing because we've eaten up too much of the world. Before we got in here, we forgotten the mission. But now we need to understand, is there fruit being produced in your life? Or are you playing a game that's not going to account for anything come judgment? And, and I saw, again, I saw this in the life of my kids, but even closer I see it in the scriptures. Uh, we, we went to Disney when Ellie Joe was four or five uh, yeah, Disney World. Pagan. Totally pagan. Um, so, <laughs> for those of you who don't understand, sarcasm it's going to be a long sermon for you. Um, <laughs> put a little highlight. Sarcasm whenever I talk. Um, L- Ellie Joe is four or five years old, and um, I went over there like someone new. Remember? You remember? Four or five? Um, but she's four or five years old, and we had her in the middle of the court or whatever, where they have like the princess concert, right? So it's right near all the statue in the castle. And Ellie just like four or five. She's dressed like Elsa, I think. And uh, Elsa, the actual Elsa, the real Elsa, comes out on stage and she's singing and she ends the the song, and I told the youth this earlier this weekend, but ends the song with, uh, follow your heart, kids. Remember that you live out what you believe and nothing can go wrong. And all these other vague, uh, distorted realities that they keep trying to impress upon our kids like it betters their confidence when it really just increases anxiety and depression statistically. Um, but you, you have all this stuff beaten down. Well, here's my catechized little Pharisee with brown hair, you know, and she's picking all of this she's picking all of this up. She's listening. And she just goes, Nope. Like really loud. So <laughs> we're like Elsa might have been like, ha like a little bit, like it was shouted at her. And there was all these other kids around. And they were just kind of like, what's wrong with her? She's dressed like Elsa. Like, what's the deal? And Ellie just starts yelling out. She goes to the other kids, which I love because it was kind of like evangelizing, but it was a little harsh. And she just said, she was like, just remember God gave you a heart of flesh and you, need a, you have a heart of stone without him. You have a heart of stone and all this stuff. I'm like, let's get her out of here. Uh, I just became her bodyguard. I was like, let's go chastise piglet for a while. let going to make fun of Pooh's eating habits. Goodness, and so all of it was just this huge display that doesn't just end because we get older. It can actually worsen if we've lost the fire. That kind of self-righteousness can actually get less cute. So I just told you a cute little story, but it's not so cute when we are robbing our neighbors of the gospel that we sing about, that we pray about, that we think about, and that we read about because we're too afraid to share the image of God as renewed in our lives. I don't want to be in fear of losing or hurting my reputation. I want to be in glorious fear of a God who saved me, who's called me to do something so that he reminds me and awakens me about my purpose. And I share that with my children who are now nine and starting to see repentance and faith in Christ Jesus of which I get baptized. The point is not to stay that way. And if we're trying to be a part of the mission without understanding the conversion, about going back and seeing those verses. That's why we began with Second Corinthians 5. Because it's through Christ we've been saved. He took our sin debt we could not pay. He took it. We owe Him. He doesn't owe us anything. We owe Him everything. He took that. He died. And now His blood, His atoning blood, covers us for anyone who abides in Him. He says, if you abide in me, I abide in you. And not just for a day or two days or three days and your work's got to keep it up like a conditional love relationship. He goes, no, 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 it's much better. It's fully unconditional and it will last forever. Just abide in me. Just believe and repent. Stop worrying about what other people think. Start worrying and seeing what God thinks and you'll see worry decrease and praise increase. This is what happens with the faith of Christ that is available through Jesus and Jesus alone. You will find it in no other place. Culturally. We see this image shared. We see that exiles are supposed to uh, at first understand they are to be exiles and recognize their own image. But that exiling is supposed to turn into the creation of more exiles. Your faith is not something to be done in private like a garden on the back window. Your faith is something for the world to see. And the world will look at your image. They will look at your witness. In other words, I love baptisms big fan nothing makes me celebrate louder and harder than someone coming out of that water and it's not the water it's the outward profession of an inward change and we just we're just thanking god he's had grace on us so i love baptisms big baptism guy want everybody to be baptized but man we are just doing a disservice if we treat baptisms or the goal of conversion like they are the finish line when in fact they are the starter pistol See what we just, I just loved how you said you're my daughter, but now you're my sister because she's also your sister in arms against the spiritual warfare of this world to bring as many people into the fold of the kingdom as humanly possible. And my question for you today is why have we lost that fire? Why have we lost that fire? What in us? And you can only answer this question for yourself. This is you. This is when it really you feel the connotation of personal relationship is when the call is on the individual to work together in the fellowship. But when it's just you and the Lord and you go, Lord, why have I lost this fire that I once had? I almost can guarantee you, you can immediately look to taking in so much of this world. You've become blinded to the whole point and purpose and reason as to why you were saved. That maybe, just maybe, in the middle of the Bible Belt, sacrifice is a part of our pursuit of holiness. It's not just about standing in line at a beach at some time of the day to receive a free t-shirt. You are signing up for spiritual war because you have been called to do so by a holy God that best part doesn't just set you out and leave you on your own like the deists believe, like the founding fathers believe, but remains in you and with you that you can never lose the presence of your holy father once you have it. Give me that over anything else this world has to offer. Give me the presence of a God that ain't going anywhere. Do we believe we have that? Do we know we have that? If you don't know, if you're not sure, get sure. Don't try to step out without first stepping into the embrace of a holy God. Now this is a gut check of the calling to share the image. What turns a fan of Jesus into a follower of Jesus is a devotion to doctrine and discipleship and its application within the family and the local church, according to Acts 2. And as we band together on mission to spread the gospel to our neighbors and to the end of the earth, that is when the mission is given its greatest power, the fellowship of believers as one, united by the Holy Spirit, to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. How can we expect to do that biblically and faithfully if we can't bring it to people because we're too afraid of what they might think about us? 1 Peter 1 is reminding us that salvation is possible, but pop over to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11-12. through 12. We see that he starts with a purpose, but he ends with this understanding that it culminates and results in a mission. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. He says it again, and he uses the other word sojourners, which is a great word as well. It means a wandering exile. To abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul, that keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So why are we abstaining from the flesh? It's not just a war against our own soul. He's saying keep your conduct among the unbelievers honorable. Why? So that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds, that part of your witness is being seen in the way people are mistreating you. This is why Paul was able to say, but for the grace of God and rejoice in the Lord always. He's thrown in prison and beaten and nearly drowned and and beheaded outside a Roman prison. Going to bat every day saying, once transformed, by the way, on the road to Damascus. An evil, evil person before his transformation. Paul says, and he probably uttered it to himself constantly, plagued by the memories of who he once was. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. There are a few things we should be consistently praying each and every day. And brothers and sisters, that is one of them. The enemy is going to try to tell you that there's a sin that you've committed that is bigger and larger than the grace of God that's available. That is an outright lie. There is no sin bigger or greater than the grace of our holy God. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's, it's where we find our rest is in that truth. It's also where we find our purpose for the mission. If we've met Christ if we've met Christ but we've lost the fire did we just think it ended at conversion or have we taken too much of this world in or have we forgotten the very reason by which we have been made and awakened I experienced this all too familiarly this is not one of those things that I'm preaching at you going you need to do what I'm doing There's reason, greater reason behind that. I'd like to share that with you. When I was at seminary about 12 years ago, I was trying to finish this Master's of Divinity degree in two and a half years. It was something like 115, 120 credit hours. So anytime there was a semester, it was 15, 18 hour classes, and summer and J terms and trips, anything where I could get an hour, I was doing it. But I was also married for like a year, year and a half. This was before kids, and we thought we were tired. (laughs) And we thought we were poor. Um, We thought, we thought, so stupid. And so during that, I got a job. Um, I mean, I I look like that alpha male type. I got a job at Valvoline Instant Oil Change, and I was doing oil changes all the time, all the time, Uh, except when I was studying Greek or staying up till 1 so I could pass a test at 8. And a woe is me, my life, my life. I can't see my wife. I can't do anything I want to do for fun. This world is about me. This life is about me. It is about my pleasure, and I'm not feeling any right now. Oh, God, oh, God, where are you? And I remember being so consumed by that mentality that the one thing I was looking forward to during the week for the first seven or eight months of Louisville, Kentucky, was this place called Penn Station had a a delicious chicken cordon bleu sandwich. That was where my joy was. It was embedded in that bread, chicken and cheese at this place called Penn Station. And I would do oil changes for seven or eight hours and I would go and I'd be like, thank God I get to sit down. It's empty. Penn Station is empty one Tuesday. And I walk in and I get my sandwich and I sit there and I take my first bite and I say, I can do it. I can make it. It'll be fine. Until suddenly the bell rings in the door and in walks in the loudest mouth you 've ever heard twenty three years old, probably six foot one hundred and forty pounds of just jabber, jawing, nonsense coming in the door and just talking to everybody. He's a nice guy, nice from what I gather, but nonsense coming out of his mouth. Just no point to what he's saying. He's going to each person, and each employee. Hey, how are you? How are you doing? It's good to see you. And there's no one in the room, and I'm just like, this dude could sit anywhere, have him sit anywhere. Guess where he decides to sit? <laughs> right there, right? Just a seat away from me. Empty room. And I'm just enjoying this sandwich. I was... And he sits down there, and he just turns away from me, which was pointless. And he keeps moving back, and he's like, hey, brother, how is it? What's going on? What's, what's going on in your life? Here's what's going on in my life. Man, I got all this stuff going on. Man, I need, I need, some, I need to wonder about what I'm going to do for a living. I just, my mom's sick and all this stuff, and I'm just sitting there going, yeah, yeah. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody, and you have made it painfully clear that you no longer want to have the conversation, but they're not getting the point? <laughs> Many of you are sitting next to that person today. And I'm sorry that I chastised you in front of everybody. Made it very awkward. But the mentality is, it was obvious. It was obvious I did not want to continue this conversation with him. I I earned that sandwich. I earned that time alone to just, can I just, so God, can I just, I can't even have like 15 minutes. This is what's all wrapping through my head. As he just goes on. He takes my entire lunch break outside of two minutes. It's one of those situations where I'm just watching my watch. Just going, when will this end? He leaves two minutes before I have to go back to do what I love. Changing oil in July. (laughs) And he, he leaves. He says, all right, I'll see you later. And I take another bite into that sandwich. And I had the biggest smile on my face for about five seconds. And then I was hit. The biggest weight of guilt and shame that I've ever experienced in my life. Couldn't finish the sandwich. And I didn't hear an audible voice, but I felt it in my very soul, as it might as well have been. You are here to learn how to be a pastor and preacher of the word of God. And you can't give a man five minutes to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. A man who is eager to communicate with you, Who do you think you are? In what way have we been called for anything else other than to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with those around us? And here I am choosing a sandwich over a soul. And if we're not careful, if we're not intentional, if we don't think about this under the discipline of the word and through prayer, pray, Lord, Awaken in me the very purpose for my salvation. Because if you don't, the seeds of self-centeredness will be watered instead. And you will lose that fire. You might still be kept. But the fruit of that tree will get bleak, small, shrunk. Now I would love to end this sermon with a great Baptist illustration of how I met him three weeks later. And he got saved and baptized and I was able to show the gospel and isn't God great? And now God's still great but no that didn't happen now every day for three weeks I went back to that spot tried to find him I prolonged a family vacation to just say I need to go back I need to make sure that that guy's there see if he can just be there and I'll just grab him say you need to believe in Lord Jesus Christ and never saw him again but I thought to myself a couple things one I repented because we aren't going to get anywhere without repentance and confession if we don't learn how to do that again This is not a confidence in self. This is a repentance and a dependency on Christ Jesus each and every day. But the second thing was, what if by the grace and the sovereignty of a holy God, I'm delivering the gospel to someone who takes this seriously and they run into that guy and they share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because wouldn't it just be like God to redeem our regrets to make right what we've ruined even if he didn't let me know about it wouldn't that be awesome that the Lord can grow the kingdom even through our disobedience because of how great he is now imagine what can happen the obedience of the saints actually lives out the Jesus they profess to love are people seeing too much of us and not enough of Christ and is it because we aren't praying enough Lord, less of me more of you May the reminder today hit your hearts that this life is not your own. It belongs to the one who gave you life. Be about his purposes. Be about his mission. Be about his heart. And love people with the love of Jesus. Let's pray.